And welcome to the Saturn Studs Podcast, episode 390. I am your perpetual co-host. I'm your radioactive co-host, Peter, joined by my co-host uh, in the in the Tokyo government, Jake. Um, we are coming at you live with the uh, the Megalixer edition of the cast. As in, you're never going to have to use this. <laughs> Keep it with you all the time. Never use it. I actually, when I was thinking about this, like that's that's one of my peeves is the mega elixir problem. Like, there's so many ways to do it better, but think about this: next time you run a campaign, Jake, give them give the party like an uber healing potion, like a potion of perf- like a mega elixir heal, but it's cursed, and they don't know it. <laughs> so the long, so they hold <clears throat> on to it for the entire uh, campaign. That that's an interesting premise. I like and it that. It debuffs them, so. Like, it rewards them for actually using the item. Something, uh, like a special potion that, that, that like, they, I'm not telling you what it is. Uh, a, a or like you potion. say, it's a, it's a potion of full healing or something yeah. like that. It emits a strange glow. Yeah. Huh, interesting. And then they find, like, why are our rolls sucking? <laughs> why? I could, I could have them be like, uh, you know, and here's this special thing, like a MacGuffin almost, and just, like, never use it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah! And you are all given a rare bejeweled key. You don't know what it goes yes. to. <laughs> oh, does this door have a lock on it? <laughs> no, <laughs> it is completely unlocked. What are you talking about? Why? Why do you think this is a safe town? You know. <laughs> no, it's like you get this rare jeweled key given to you by like the mother of the person who's sending you out on the first quest. It's like it'll bring you good luck. And yeah. then at the end, you're like, so what the fuck was the key for? You're, you, I told you at the beginning. Yeah, good <laughs> luck, you, yeah. It was a good luck charm. <laughs> Did it actually bring us luck? I mean, like, I, you know, I added one to you one know. of your rolls, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was an inspiration point somewhere I gave along you the random way. Ad- I gave you random advantage. <laughs> Something. So probably, yeah, you had good luck. You survived, didn't you? Yeah, you didn't bump into the Tarask. (laughs) I love that. That's like the end session thing. It's like you got here, didn't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's classic. That's what makes a successful campaign, successful mission. We lived. Lived. We may have. uh, We may have gotten shot forty times along the way. I may have died, but I survived. Mm -hmm. Yes. And of course, as always, we are coming at you live from. 90s, what appears to be like 90s or early 2000s, Tokyo in a meeting office, bureaucracy everywhere. We're just uh, we're gonna jump from this podcast to a meeting, and then we have a we have a a council session, and we're gonna wrap that up in about 30 ish minutes, and then go right into our next uh, regulations meeting that is uh, gonna set the set the tone for next week and our um, next uh, PR uh, press release session. Yep. Yep. We're going to bring some experts in on the next podcast and not listen to them. <laughs> bring the worst experts you've ever uh, about, seen. Yeah, the worst experts about podcasting. They're they're going to say, "You know what? A podcast should add, have more video in it." <laughs> and uh <laughs> <laughs> My fucking... degree 
My degree is in radio specifically, not podcast. So if I comment on this, I'm not an expert, and I'm not gonna, you know, put you know, risk my credibility out here. Where did you say you got your business expertise? Oh, Netflix. I was the one who told them that they should just charge more and also yeah, charge not let people share their screens. Yeah, who are they getting their advice from? McKinsey. <laughs> yeah, looking at you, McKinsey. Your John Oliver did a story on you. You can't hide in the shadows anymore, you little bastards. Uh, this 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 week is obviously we we got kicked in the Shin Godzillas. Yeah. Um, I wanted to see it because it was like because it was this or Killers of the Flower Moon or the Eras Tour, and I <laughs> I kind of want I, part of me wants to drag Kurt to the Eras Tour movie just to that just would to be make awesome. Miserable miserable for a couple hours i am so glad you suggested this because i've wanted to see this movie for a while now and um i always see it and i I watched a review of it uh a while ago and it got me more interested in it because i was like this is a weird concept it's like a like a fucking baby godzilla turn into the giant godzilla and um and then i was like somebody reviewed it and they're like it's actually a really good critique of (laughs) japan's uh, like response to the Fukushima disaster, disaster response and how completely inept they are, and it's really telling. And they are they are fucking brutal in like criticizing their government. And I'm like, oh, okay, in a Godzilla movie, <laughs> smart Godzilla. We don't see it that often. I mean, yeah, it's like if if you compare this to 2000s Godzilla, <laughs> this is um, or or what Godzilla 2014. Where yeah, uh, even that Wantanabe's yeah. like, let them fight, let them fight. <laughs> oh yeah, Godzilla! <laughs> <laughs> and Brian, and fucking Brian Cranston was in it for a hot second, and then he was. Remember when he was the best part of the movie, and then he died twenty. Yeah, minutes he had to in. go make some meth. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, let them cook. We gotta cook. <laughs> let them cook, Jesse. <laughs> let them cook, Jesse. <laughs> Godzilla's meth beam. <laughs> He's ninety nine percent pure, Jesse. It's not good enough. This monster is ninety nine percent meth. <laughs> well, in oh. Shin Godzilla, he certainly seemed like he was ninety nine percent fucking meth because yeah. he was so cracked out of his mind. <laughs> this man's body temperature is he's steaming out of control. Oh, and we're go- we're gonna go out of control soon too if we don't watch these trailers in Trey Watch. Um, Hell yeah, dude! Short week this week, which means uh, incoming like well, it's the end of the month, so new month, new glut of trailers. We're gonna see so much stuff next week, but thank God we can just zip right by it this time. I don't gotta worry about nothing. Um, the only thing we gotta worry about is uh, the killer. <laughs> the killer. Yeah, the killer. Yeah. Um, so this is, I like. I don't know. This there's not much to this. This is. I think we so even saw this before. This was Michael was Fassbender like a or something like that. As, yeah. yeah. He's like the stereotypical killer who's a total professional, and it's mm-hmm. almost a little cliche how like he's like, oh, it's what if it's a killer, but he was calm. But then I guess the premise is you take that and then he starts to catch feelings for like yeah. uh, one of the people he's assigned to not kill i'm guessing um yeah and uh yeah they, they mentioned like oh you shouldn't bring your lady friend into this or something like that which like it isn't this like risk. the plot of hitman 
Probably. Um, I think this is a conglomeration of like a lot of different assassin movies because it reminded me of The Accountant as well. Even yes. though The Accountant was just like, what if uh, Rain Man was a killer? Yeah. Or like what The Gray Man, I think, was also. Uh, oh, yeah. Gray Man. I think that yeah. was another one. I was going to say, I was like, they should make a Hitman movie. And then I, I took a second. Took a do they just they said, dance around? I you know people love well they yeah they do have a hitman movie. It is a hitman movie. It's um, already out. It, may, it came out in two thousand seven. No. Yeah, yeah, I remember oh, that. God, is hitman like how old is hitman now? It's sixteen years old. Yeah, I mean, but they keep on coming out with like games, and they get a relatively good amount of popularity. I mean, mm-hmm. enough to where Donkey makes a funny video about it. Yeah. <laughs> so Hit him with the spaghetti. Uh, yeah, I mean they they do unique things, and I think um, I think Hitman though kind of jumped the shark in terms of like uh, you know having its like self take itself seriously because there's so many goofy things you can do in the game that they allow. It's like yeah, yeah, they just want you to have a have a fun time and not it, yeah, and not worry about stuff. Yeah, it should have been like this. Kind of makes me think it, they should have done it like the '90s. Um, mm-hmm. It would have been great if Hitman came out in the '90s, where it's just expansion packs and it's like themed mission packs. Yeah, you know, it's just do it like Duke Nukem, where and same thing, like it do it like the '90s, where it's not where you don't take it seriously, because that's that's what seems to be really fun about the Hitman thing is like doing the stealth, doing the sneaking, and doing the cool like Rube Goldberg kills. Yeah. And yeah, instead you just lure them into a bathroom and just blap, throw a them. banana at them. Yeah. Um, I mean, there there's plenty of games that have proven that like doing the uh, setting up a really cool, elaborate kill is a very it's satisfying gameplay loop. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't don't make a story about it. Yeah. The um. So I was looking at some of the trying to remember what the emphasis points about killer was, but. There wasn't much uh, from the director of Seven, Fight Club, and Gone Girl. So, I mean, they've got some experience under their belt. But um, other than that, it just looks like quirky assassin is quirky. and <laughs> Quirked up, um, quirked up Killboy. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, they've got, they've got the cool stuff. Like, oh, where does he keep his guns? And where does he get all of his uh, like equipment? And they're unique about that in some sort of way. Uh, mm-hmm. but other than that, it just seems like a kind of a generic assassin movie. Um, but Michael Fassbender is good and yeah. it's got Tilda Swinton in it. So it, it might just be like a solid movie based on the, 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 um, actors that are in it. Yeah. So, and whatever happens, it'll be better than the snowman, which is one of the, one of the movies I remember him for, unfortunately, <laughs> The movie that literally almost didn't have enough film shot to make 90 minutes. Like, they had to cut shooting coverage short by, like, two weeks in that movie. Oh, wow. So they almost didn't actually have enough film to film it, let alone, like, edit around to to make it work. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was bad. Um, what might be less bad, although just as stitched, stitched together, uh, is... Lisa Frankenstein. Mm. The, that's a um, good. That's a good segue. Le- oh, I'm sad that this wasn't like more explicitly a Lisa Frank crossover, like that's Lisa Frankenstein. But it has that vibe. 
it does have the vibe of Lisa Frank a little bit. Like the color, the color palette of some of these shots are very yeah, yeah. pink, very fun, light. I mean, mm. she revives her, uh, a boyfriend or just a guy um, who I'm sure she's like infatuated yes. with in a tanning bed. Yeah. I this mean, is, that's just chef's kiss. Yeah. Come on. This is the modern teen girl suburbia version of uh, Frankenstein, uh-huh. um, which does preserve a couple things. One, Frankenstein was written by Mary Shelley, so it is a woman's story. And mm-hmm. also, um, one of the things in Frankenstein is when he makes the monster. In the book, like the monster is super hot. Like He's actually like... Like, he has creepy-ass eyes that, like, shake Victor Frankenstein to his core and, like, freak him the fuck out. But, like, he's, like, he actually becomes, like, smart and hot and is, like, I'm perfect. I'm an absolute Chad. Uh, <laughs> I, if, I, if I remember correctly, I have not read the book, and it's, like, five different framing devices within each other. Huh, um, sure. But, no, this looks like fun. <clears throat> I'm sure there are a lot of folks... Yeah. We'll go to watch this. Um, and it's good to have like a seemingly original kind of like take on this, another a different angle on like, the classic little story here. And honestly, Frankenstein works really well as, as comedy. Yeah, you know, and um and, see also and it's also Mel Brooks. Well the unique I think the the twist on this kind of is it's coming out Valentine's Day and it's kinda of like a love story between the uh, I'm guessing Lisa Frankenstein and this the monster that she creates. And I don't know why they're they're killing people, but they are. Um, there well, was I, a commenter that said a rainbow-colored psychedelic... Uh, yeah. Rainbow-colored psychedelic pastel Lisa Frank-inspired horror film would be something. That's very true. That's exactly um, what we said. Yeah. So I think... Well, I think in the movie, I think from the trailer, it looks like he's missing like parts, and so they have to kill... Oh, okay. That's so to they, finish him up. She has to kill yeah. other hot boys. To create the perfect hot boy. Hey, that's fine by me. Hot boys we'll see. gotta be hot. Who's um there's gotta be the iconic scene where they chop off someone's dong. <laughs> oh my god. We get a bigger one. Right. Upgrade. There's there's so many ways you could go with that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. The uh, Speaking of speaking of hot boys. Yes. Well, uh, we got a first uh, I don't know if this is the first official trailer um, for Maestro. We yes. got a really long teaser, I remember that, um, where everybody freaked out about Bradley Cooper's nose. Nose, yeah. Um, I'm more concerned with trying to figure out if some of this is like real footage of... of yeah, how um, much of this is like TV footage? I know, I mean, uh, I'm not obviously not talking about the what? black and white stuff. So what's his what's his name again? Uh, um, Leonard Bernstein. Leonard Bernstein. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the first shot of the trailer, um, that does not look like Bradley Cooper to me. <laughs> it All looks right. like Leonard Bernstein, and I'm wondering if that was like from an interview or a documentary or something like that. I could kind of see Bradley Cooper in there, but it. I've, I'm looking at some modern fo- some later photos from. Uh... Lenny B. That's what I call him. And uh, he, the, in the first shot of the movie definitely looks more like Bradley Cooper than actual Leonard Bernstein. Um, it is, you can definitely see it in the eyes and the chin. 
Um, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, but regardless, it's a great. I mean, it's a good prosthetic. God, it's a yeah, good transformation. God damn. They that makeup. I mean, this is. This, I think we all knew this was like Oscar bait for like, um, mm-hmm. for like best makeup and Who, stuff like that. I know one of the big, the other big recent makeup transformations that got a lot of praise was um penguin and the batman that was uh who was which actor was that oh daniel rathoff i think it was <laughs> oh, no 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 um sorry i i got that mixed up uh that damn what a transformation <laughs> no, Dan- uh, oh 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 the nathan, oh, the last penguin I, the, fucking, the last penguin um yeah wasn't it um wasn't it colin um yeah colin firth was no. it Colin Farrell? No. Colin Farrell. Um, was it Colin Farrell? I'm just going to name names. You know me. I <laughs> I have a repository of names. I don't. I can't connect them to anybody. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Scottish. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Yeah, it was Colin Farrell. Um, but... What were you thinking with Daniel Radcliffe? And I Penguin? was thinking. I was thinking of the new Penguin that is supposed to be in. Um, a, a Batman movie, a spinoff Batman movie, or something like that. Um, played by Frodo. Okay. What the fuck? Okay. Um, let me see this. It's like all, it's basically in rumor mill stages from my yeah. searching. Um, what, what's his name? Um, oh no, this is, this isn't even fucking a rumor. This is a fan suggestion. Elijah Wood. Oh, Elijah uh, Wood. Just, okay. I'm, uh, God, I, I'm blanking on names. <laughs> I got dad brain. Like I, I actually kind of would want to see. You know what? DC would be fucked up enough to oh, um, put... Oh, sorry. It's it's in Toxic Avenger. That's what it was. Okay. Elijah Wood, Toxic Avenger. And I think... Uh, I put it in the chat. I think um, somebody was saying they wanted... Um, oh, yeah. It was a Penguin-esque villain. That's why. That's, that's the, okay. the Penguin... Penguin relation to it. Kurt, it kind of does look like the Penguin. Kurt, if you're listening, I just know that we're in our prime right now. We're unstoppable. We're thriving in our lane, nailing all of our references. Um, just blurting out fucking names left and right. <laughs> <laughs> Colin Firth. Col- yeah, no, Elijah it's, Wood. Oh, The Hobbit. The Hobbit. It was. The uh, Hobbit he's is the, the Penguin. penguin. <laughs> Daniel we're Radcliffe like, is The Hobbit, and now he's going like, to become The Penguin. <laughs> We're like Charlie Day, just like taking red string on the on the bulletin board, just being like, "There is no Carol in HR. There's no Carol. <laughs> Who Carol! is Pepe Sylvia?" <laughs> it's a little thing I like to call search engine optimization. They'll Google will pick up all these keywords. Um, Google knows my train of thought, so like when I type in Frodo. Penguin Batman man, <laughs> it's gonna come up with that article about uh, how Elijah Wood in the Toxic Avenger kind of looks like Penguin. <laughs> I one, I would want to see Daniel. I could see Daniel Radcliffe as like the Riddler. He yeah. could do a good Riddler. Um, also, 
put Swiss Army Man in the DC universe. There's enough fucked up shit in there. <laughs> yeah, dude, keep it. Like, Don't make it like a fever dream. It's like, yeah, no, he actually was that farting little like, yeah. Swiss Army Man. Like between all the YouTube um, shorts and the other, you know, various like side level looks into DC's canon, they have so much more crazy out of pocket shit than um marvel could ever think of like swiss army man would absolutely fit in as like a doom patrol character he could be in the doom oh, yeah. patrol yeah i mean he's got the hero name right there yeah i did i talk to you about king of cities king of all cities Mm-mm. so he's a superhero in D- in dc whose power is he controls cities and his like big payoff in in the comic run was he animated all of New York city to fight the Batman who laughs, who created an inter interdimensional cabal of evil Batman and created a bats, a city Batman. It's called the dark Citadel. And you had New York city versus dark metropolis in a giant city sized fist fight. Um, I DC never stop being you. Is, is anybody check up on DC? Are they okay? No. Is DC okay? This is why I want this. I'm like, I I always wait around for DC because they're like, even in their movies, you know, it's like you're going to get like, okay, I guess we're going to Shazam 2, but then you get like the Joker movie. And you're like, oh, this is fucking out of nowhere. Um, Or you get like the Batman and Harley Quinn, where it's like, oh, this is a charming like adult comedy that still, that beats out so much other the adult comedy trash out there. Um, but that is, well, I will make a quick note. <laughs> I was going to say, um, that's it for, for my, that's, that's maestro. Yeah. Daniel Radcliffe well, is the penguin. That's the takeaway <laughs> I want you to take from this. <laughs> yeah. Not much happens in the trailer. Just say hey, he's gay and he has a wife <laughs> as well. And he's, he's uh, look at how hot Bradley Cooper is, but, um, Quick. Yeah, black and white young Bradley Cooper is hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know it's breaking now, news. Let's um, leave this trailer behind oh, to see the leave the world yes. behind. Yes, let's do that. Um, it's this is a much more interesting trailer now than the teaser. Like that's the teaser doesn't do anything. Like why if you can't entice me with the teaser. Like, that's what the trailer should be for. Oh, I, I missed the teaser, I think. I don't it was, remember the teaser. It was this, but less of it. <laughs> uh, but less of it. I mean, hey, that's a teaser. Yep. Um, yeah, this this is actually kind of um, curious. Um, now, this is, first off, Netflix, um, who is raising their prices yet again and uh, upsetting a lot of people. Um, now, maybe... If they come out with more shit like this, where you have big names in the in the roll call and it looks interesting, you might be able to argue that's uh, a good deal. Um, but I don't know, man. Twenty twenty three bucks a month or something like that, whatever the 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 baseline is for like a a one piece every two years yeah. or something like that where you have like 10 seasons lined up which they have 
they have accepted the fact that they might do the whole One Piece anime live action, which is Jeez. uh fucking nutty. That's insane. It's possible to like do in ten seasons, especially but... for Netflix to want to run a series that long. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, I think I think One Piece is probably the I think it's the biggest show they've ever had. Um, be- probably because because of the international demand of it. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that I think they put a lot of money into the like dubbing of it, and that was a very like successful thing for them. Um, the international response was just huge for it, and I mean that's kind of like what One Piece is about. Like they, all the actors or all the main characters in One Piece are supposed to be uh, like different nationalities. Like that oh, yeah. is like specified. They're all not supposed to be just Japanese. Um, and it was huge. It like it surpassed like. Uh, Stranger Things season one. So Damn, that is that um, is actually insane. And and it it got well received by the the cult of One Piece, which yeah. you know a lot of people expected them to like hate on this like crazy, but they were like, no, it was a faithful adaptation. And from the little I watched and the explainer videos that I watched, I thought it did great. It didn't really cut out too much, mm-hmm. uh, especially from an anime that's supposed to be a lot that's known to be a lot of fluff. Yeah, it's currently like chapter eleven hundred. Like yeah, goes it's, in. It's insane. I mean, there's you can literally cut out like five hundred episodes of the anime and be fine. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of filler for it. So um we'll see how they continue to do it. Um and how I, I just would hate if they get to like season five and they have to like and they cancel it or something. I mean like that. that's the, that's it. That is more than likely the the inevitability that it yeah. will reach. It will just sputter out, or it will lose enough popularity where they're just not going to continue I think, it anymore. I think the biggest hurdle is going to be the actors aging out because Luffy's kind of supposed to be on the younger side. And right. how long does it take to do ten seasons of something? Are they going to ma- be able to like maintain people's age? Because like um, in the continuity of the story, this is like maybe a couple years right it's a very exactly compressed uh, amount of time it is it is even though it's a thousand chapters um but that's one piece this is netflix's leave the world behind um and i'm just i'm just trying to grade like the quality of shit that comes out of netflix now that they're like demanding a premium price mm-hmm. for their stuff and ethan hawk and um Marish, uh, ali yeah. julia roberts um and there was one other one who was it um uh I... Manila Harold is like a a younger actress um mm-hmm. but anyways yeah. those big names are this draw to this uh like kind of dystopian tech yeah it's kind of it, movie it's really interesting it's a looks like a a um uh not a supernatural but a kind of maybe a, a little a modern, a modernist mystery or a postmodernist mystery kind of thing, where it's the stranger on the doorstep. This this kind of reminds me of um, what was Shyamalan's uh, latest thing? Where it's oh, the, four... the beach one? No, oh. maybe it wasn't a Shyamalan. Oh, one. oh, the cabin. cabin. A knock at the cabin door. Knock at the cabin. Yeah. Yeah. This kind of has that vibe, um, mm-hmm. where you know the stranger shows up and he's like, we we. We need to cohabitate. It's like, I'm going to be here for a while. And you have that adversarial in-house relationship while the, there's a mystery happening in the, wi- the wider world. And 
you don't know if the world's ending or not. Um, this looks more exciting than that because there's at least like the settings are, are a little more visually um, enjoyable. I mm. like Long Island beaches and fancy mansions, uh, both both narratively and just looking at them more than a cabin. Because not yeah. a lot in the cabin there, but you know we get a lot of scenes here. This is this is also based on a book, um, yep. and it feels like from the scenes it looks like it kind of would play out like a stage play, or like a pretty like a bottle movie almost. Which I think is, if I had to guess, um, going behind the scenes and looking at budgets, I would be like, okay, so they got all these star actors in. Uh, we have enough left for uh, some CGI and maybe a couple sets. Yeah. They were able to get a couple Teslas at least, because um, there was a scene where there's just a right. fuck ton of Model Xs lined up in a row. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's like an action scene where they have to dodge the oncoming uh, Teslas because Elon Musk is attacking everyone. <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, the, the they kind of spell out the premise in the in the trailer, which is takes away from some of the mystery. But um, this couple and their son, or yeah, I think the couple and their Kids, at least. I think there's two. Um, go to this getaway. Go to this um, house in the middle of the woods or something like mm-hmm. that. And uh, they get to stay there for the weekend or something like that. And they hear a knock on the door. It's somebody else saying, this is our house. We were, we like, I don't know, maybe rented it out. So maybe yeah. it got double booked or something like that. Um, and <clears throat> the Wi-Fi is not working. Everything's not working. And they're, like, very confused. They finally get the TV to work, and they find out that the, like America's under like some massive cyber attack, and mm-hmm. that's why all the tech is down. Um, and then like interesting shit starts happening as a result of it. There's like a cargo ship that is Beaching off itself. trajectories yeah. somehow, and it, it beaches itself. Um, there's a line of like Teslas that seemingly have stopped working um, because of the cyber attack, and now they're like maybe autonomously driving. And trying to like kill people uh, mm-hmm. because of it now. I hope uh, this doesn't make a turn for the stupid in the third act. It, yeah, I don't know. It it definitely is setting itself up to do something like that, but uh, I'm not sure. I I have no idea. It it, it does leave a, a quite a bit to mystery on like the third act and where it's like headed to, because it just says, okay, how do we like dodge cars and like what is an effect of this cyber attack on, on America or something. Right. Um, but I guess you'll have to watch next month to find out. Uh, I just don't want it to be like preaching me like, Oh, you know, you, you are so dependent on your Wi-Fi's and your self-driving cars. You don't know how yeah. to do anything else. It's like, this, and like you need to be taught how to live, survive. It seems like you could aim higher with this. And I feel like to do something as simple as like, basic classism or technology critiques is yeah. maybe under there's, underserving your your premise. There's some really low-hanging fruit that could turn this into a, a not-so-great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was it for... Well, I will make an exception. No, not really more, but I watched... I was curious, so I watched the new The Marvels trailer. The, the new The Marvels teaser. The beginning oh, okay. one. Um, I mean, it's not much more. We get to see who the villain is. Like, it's a lady with evil Shang-Chi rings or something. Um, she has, like, purple bracelets and is, like, the sister of the 
Kree from like Guardians or yeah. something. She has the hammer. You yeah, know, remember yeah, the hammer so, from Guardians? Well, so she's of if I remember this correctly, um she's like a part of the same like uh type of people that like were God, what's his fucking name? The I don't remember. Hammer. I'm not even going to try she's to She's a part of that she's a part of that group that 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 one guy with the hammer was a part of. Mm-hmm. Um but the whole thing about that hammer was it was like really good with the power gem and she doesn't really have that, so Right. I don't know how powerful she's going to be without it. My brain wants to say Drax the Destroyer, but that's not it. Like not not Kang the Conqueror. It was something the something. Mm, yeah. Um Okay, but yeah, so she's, and you know, would you believe it? She wants revenge um, on people who wronged her, and she's going to attack the Earth. Uh, I just wanted to see the tagline in this. Um, I, I wanted to report, just because of the tagline in this. It's so it's so lovely, uh, perfectly generic. The end was only the beginning. <laughs> what the fuck? What, what does that mean? The end, like the... Like the snap, because they started off in the beginning with like the Thanos snap and like bringing people back. Yeah, I um, wonder if she's brought back or something like that because of it. This seems like it's gonna be Brie Larson's last. Like she she wants out. Um, so she's. It gonna, could be. Uh, yeah. So we have. I mean, we have evil villain Ron's revenge and portals in the sky opening up. Um. So. Wait, didn't I see this Marvel movie before? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's what they meant. Like, you know how you finished all those Marvel movies? Well, you're just getting started. <laughs> Here's more. Um, yeah. All right, that was the only thing I wanted to just chime in about. Just that's gonna be that's next month, Jake. It's in two weeks. I'll make my triumphant return to the movie theaters to see this. Yeah. I've been I've been abstaining myself. I've been it's been a no nut November for me for the movies. It's just I've been I've been practicing my semen retention in terms of like watching movies in the theater. Mm-hmm. Now that I have a kid, I can't like tear myself away. <laughs> but maybe this is the perfect movie to bring my kid to. That's what and, I was gonna say. Like bring the kid, give him give him the little earplugs so he doesn't get so he doesn't have to listen to it. But let him just just let him. Uh, let it all out. <laughs> let him express himself in the theater. Yeah. Um, so that ends the tray watch, and uh, yeah. we're gonna go see how the past trays have been doing with uh, domestic weekend forty two of but of a uh, box right. office numbers. So let's see how these movies have done. Let me remember last week we had the uh, big old Taylor Swift movie on top. Mm-hmm. Killing all the other movies. Well, surprise, surprise, it's still at number one. Taylor Swift, Air's Tour, coming in at $33 million, down 64%. A significant drop-off. So it's still, uh, It lost half of its uh, box office income and still is at the top. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's impressive, but uh, it's, it's a huge drop-off. So there's definitely people who just couldn't get tickets the first week. Um, and the novelty of it being the first week dropped off. Whereas, yeah. like you compare it to Barbie and Oppenheimer, I think people were going to see those on repeat. Yeah. I... Um. So we got Taylor Swift, Eras Tour. Yep. Uh, oh, uh, globally, 181 million. 
which is pretty fantastic. Makes... It's not a very international hit. Maybe it's not released internationally everywhere. I could probably see that. Maybe it's more of a Canada, Mexico kind of thing. Okay. Um, because it, it, you know, like, she I know made she's an deal. international sensation. But... Yeah, she she probably is, and I I wonder if it's just the way her deal was made. With like they made it with like Cinemark and AMC instead of going through like a, a Hollywood distributor, um, so mm. a lot more of the revenue is going towards her in the movie theater instead of like some just middleman. Yeah, uh, I'm wondering if uh, that prevented her from really hitting the international markets very well. I did read a headline uh, that because of this tour, she is now a billionaire. I mean, kind of makes sense. Um, she. Those tickets were were pretty expensive, and she's selling out stadiums left and right. Yeah. So her net worth is now now billions. Um, let's see. Do they actually talk about it? Oh no! Don't. Would that be the first like musician that's like a billionaire? Why is it locking me down? Oh, Bloomberg. Are you are you one of the retirement oh. sites? I think they. Bloomberg. I think you are. I'm not. Wah, wah. I'm not going to pay you money to learn about how much money someone else is making. Yeah, right? Um, one Okay, yeah. 1.1 billion up 360 million from uh what it was. Um among number 3 Wait. Oh, it, okay. In June, she was ranked 34 among America's richest self-made women. I was like, how is she going to be a billionaire and still in 34th place? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, right. Um uh, who's 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 your uh, football boyfriend? Uh, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, Kelsey. Kelsey. Kelsey is the uh, he's uh, her sugar baby. Oh yeah. Gets yeah, he is small potatoes compared to her. Um, <laughs> when you when you're um, a star football player, but you still have a sugar mama. Yeah. Ah, I'm sure he loves it. Um. So that was Taylor Swift's Eras tour uh, coming to number two. No surprise, Killers of the Flower Moon, twenty three million. Mm-hmm. Um, With almost every theater, it has less average take. Uh, interestingly, still mm-hmm. than the Eras tour, and fifty six point eight million worldwide. Um, I, I got to imagine a lot of that is because of the runtime. Like I feel like this would do even better if it was not for the runtime. Like there's a lot of yeah. controversy around it. Like people are, I know internationally, some places are bringing back intermissions. Um, mm. there's more, there's a lot of talk about it. Scorsese, of course, is like, no, you should sit down because fucking lazy middle America, they watch five hours of TV in a row. It's like, no, they take, they take a poop break in there. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can get up and go get a, fix yourself a Bev and a sandwich. Yeah. No like, one's, you got to eat your DoorDash. Even if I was watching this at home, I'm going to be taking a break and that's yeah, what I'm going to be, be watching checking my phone at home. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Um. The other thing. So I heard Killers of the Flower Moon, even though it's like three and a half hours, is paced really well. So at the very least, it doesn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. But it's still three hours long, so it's gonna wear on people. Yeah. Um. It's an important story to tell, so I'm kind of glad that he's doing it. Um. I just feel like this isn't like. I feel it, it's bad to say. It sucks to say. Like, I feel like this just isn't a premise that's gonna like sell tickets. Like Oppenheimer, yeah. the making of the nuclear bomb. Like that was a biopic, a character piece biopic about an event. And this is kind of on the similar vein. It's a biopic ish about mm-hmm. a very famous event. 
kind of less famous because I mean, obviously, people haven't heard of like this right. uh, the 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 tribe that they're talking about. I don't remember the tribe's yeah. name specifically. Again, Case in um, point. Um, but it's about these murders, these brutal murders, and it's about a really bad, you know, uh, black mark on the American history. Um, but it's not well known, and it's hard to sell something on not something not well known. And I wonder how many people are going to go into it thinking it's a made-up story and think it's like preaching to the choir about how the atrocities of like the tra- Trail of Tears and shit like that. So it's, uh, I just don't, as bad as I feel like it's not going to resonate with the average American and not sell as many tickets because of it. And I think we're seeing that here. And yeah. the budget, I'm pretty sure, was was hefty. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was something like $200 million for the budget. And this is nowhere near making that back. Yeah, I'm um, hoping he's not expecting it to be a commercial success. You know, maybe not. Um, uh, you know, knowing Martin Scorsese, you know, he does these movies because he's good at it and he's well known and he's going to probably win an Oscar for it. Um, and maybe mm-hmm. that'll happen then. I mean, because like a lot of these like bigger movies, they don't they don't kill in the box office. They always get drowned out by like a Marvel movie, right? Right. But they still get like praised for being a quality movie, and they keep on making them. Like they, I think, I think studios like Paramount are like, we gotta fund these big movies for our Oscars, so we'll make the, I don't know what they what big action movie yeah. that's gonna sell tickets. You know, we'll make the the Top Gun Maverick so th- this movie can get made. This is gonna lose money on it, but. Top Gun Maverick made so much movie that it's just here. We're still making money in the end. Yeah, break it even. Got some room in the budget. At, at least, at least there's that. I, I just hope we don't get to the point where we run out of the Top Gun Mavericks and then these movies die because of it. Mm. Um, because it, I think these movies should exist. It's important, um, but not to waste too much time. That was the opening weekend for Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, coming in at number three, down a spot, Exorcist Believer. Five point six million dollars internationally, eleven a uh, one hundred eleven million yeah. internationally. Soon to be followed uh, by the Exorcist Belieber. Um, yeah, Belieber, yeah, the Belieber tour. <laughs> Justin Bieber back from the grave. Um, um, let me see what Justin Bieber looks like right now. While we, I do that. Uh, number four, we got uh, down a spot. Paw Patrol, the mighty movie, four point four million glo- uh, domestic. And a um, resounding 150 million worldwide. Um, coming in at number five, Nightmare Before Christmas, 30, 30th anniversary re-release, 4.2 million, and a worldwide 5.8 million. Yes. Um, uh, that was in 1,600 theaters. It had a solid 2,600 per theater take. Pretty decent yeah. re-release. Um, Good pickup from Walt Disney. And uh, it does also have the benefit of finding itself in this week's spotlight. Yeah, um, we took a feels like a good time to do it, and because I don't want to review, I don't want to look at reviews of Killers of the Flower Moon yet, um, and I want to wait till Kurt's back till we talk about Eras. So I want to see the real <laughs> reviewers really reviewing Eras, you know, because it hasn't been if until the reviewers have weighed in. Media doesn't even exist. It only it only pretends to exist. Life only becomes real when reviewed. So, uh, 
as it's I was doing gonna... here. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got a good one. I got a, a drink because okay. we. Yeah, yeah. You can start, um, start with your ten. All right. I'll do my ten first. Um. So we got a ten out of ten. This is uh hits one of our uh take a drink moments because they put their own score of a nine point seven out of ten. Absolutely. Yeah. Ten out of ten. Uh. And I forgot. I was looking through these ten out of tens. Some of them are fucking long. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I wanted a fresh one, so because a lot of these are also from uh, twenty uh, two thousand three, um, and those were like an essay. So this one is from last week. Okay. Puts Coraline in a body bag. <laughs> Matthew Michael Hoffman says nine point seven out of ten. The nightmare before Christmas puts Coraline in a body bag. Truly magnificent in every pos- every way possible. Of course, I had to go to AMC to both experience the nightmare before real before Christmas for its 30th anniversary, and for my first time ever, I saw it in real D 3D, which made all the colors and visuals pop even more than they already do. Plus, provided a pretty decent jump scare when the pumpkin came flying at my face towards the end of the movie, with a runtime of only one hour and 16 minutes. The Nightmare Before Christmas is packed with catchy songs, cool characters, and a very well done story. The idea to the the idea to mix the themes of Halloween and Christmas and let Jack Skellington cook was genius. I now completely get why Jack Skellington and his film have such a cult like following and find ways to be baked into different things that Disney does. Such a transforming haunted mansion at Disneyland for Christmas time every year. I had such an amazing time watching this movie, and I can't believe it took me this long to see it. I loved it. Also, the band was freaking hilarious. The Nightmare Before Christmas is all parts funny, entertaining, and creepy in the best possible way. Zero out of zero found that helpful. <laughs> Hit you with the punch. Bam. Uh, the double lots. What we're not gonna do, what we're not gonna do, Michael Matthew Michael Hoffman, is put down Coraline to yeah. to prop up Jack Skellington. It's not. I'm sorry, we don't but do that, that wasn't here. the move. That wasn't the move. We 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 stand Coraline. We Coraline. love Coraline. Coraline representation. That was, that was a mean. That was a mean thing. We're core allies. Core allies. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum, maybe we'll find someone praising Coraline. Oh, the, oh! I got it. Yeah, I got to do the, the poopy side. Go. Yeah, yeah. Um, back to back over here. I know it's it's do rough. Double time for Kurt. Um, he was, he's out. Okay, man's out yeah, surviving we'll do... encounters with old alumni. Yeah, right. Is uh, I can't wait to ask him for the stories. He's got to get a got to get a bit of the hair of the dog to work off some of the Alfred scaries. Yeah, one out of ten. By Madism14, gave it a try, but couldn't watch it. I had not seen this movie as a kid, as it looked too scary and weird back then, so I tried watching it now with my 10-year-old daughter. I had some hopes for this movie, knowing everyone around, everyone around thrilled, but it turned out to be a huge letdown to us. It's difficult to decide what was worse, the irritating singing the absence of a coherent plot, or the lack of a meaningful dialogue. The overall action of the movie was so annoying that we had to give up after just 20 minutes, and it left us with a deeply 
unsettling feeling of disgust. While I understand that everyone has their own taste in movies, this one left us a bitter aftertaste due to its shortcomings. Zero out of four found this helpful. Uh-oh. I didn't piss off they got sounds like they got scared. Yeah. Yeah. Spookered. Um, curiosity killed Sean with his six out of ten. But that's that's not the title. That's that's my own input. <laughs> um, Xmas comes to Halloween Town. I abstained from the from Nightmare Before Christmas for years because, much like the Goonies, it has just been forced into popular culture where I don't think it belongs. Neither film was massively popular or a critical success on their original release, but somewhere on the, along the line, the spirit of the films were hijacked. I hate seeing forlorn-looking, middle-class, emo teenagers wearing Jack Skellington t-shirts as much as I hate the same crowd yelling, Hey, you guys! <laughs> were they even born when these films were made? Back to the, back to the film itself. It's a rather simple tale of Halloween-themed world being exposed to the magic of Christmas. Jack Skellington and the denizens of Halloween Town welcome the magic, but no one really seems to understand what the macabre of Halloween and the spirit of Christmas are utterly incongruous. I suppose this is a commentary on the inconsistency of what the public desires and how we are all easily programmed to like what the media tells us to like. The thin story is interspersed with several generic Danny Elfman melodies and songs. The characters are amusing, especially the mayor of Halloween Town, whose double-sided head periodically rotates between happiness and despair. The atmosphere is also very nice, but I'm undecided if it's a Halloween film or a Christmas film. Overall, it's good, but not great. It's more like the trap door than it's like Wallace and Gromit, but still a pleasant distraction for the Christmas season. 8 out of 18 found that one helpful. Um, and then and then we move up. We get higher. Can we get much higher? Uh, from Go Green Eagles Fan. Uh, 10 out of 10. In my top 5 favorite movies of all time. Uh, this I've, I've scanned this and it... it I feel like he's got a little Ricky from Trailer Park Boys energy going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I never like stop motion and clay things, but this is one of my favorite movies of all time. This movie is so fluent, I couldn't tell it was stop motion. And obviously, it's so beautifully done. Anywhere you look, there is something to behold. Also, the characters look incredible. And how they even move alone is really fascinating and cool. Jack moves a lot like a spider. Sally is clumsy, like like me. It's so cool to just look at. Beside from the visuals, the music slash lyrics, I believe, are incredible. This is ho- this is Halloween is so fun with clowns who can tear away their face and monsters hiding under your bed while remaining not frightening for children. Jack's Lament is such a wonderful song with a touching message we all know too well. Getting tired of the same old thing. Oh, somewhere deep inside of these bones, an emptiness began to grow. There's something out there far from my home, a longing that I've never known. Some lyrics from Jack's Lament, my favorite song in the movie. When Sally sings her little song, I almost cry. It is so emotional. We established the songs are amazing. The plot is so original and creative, I can't help to be drawled in. 
who else would think of a Halloween town person discovering Christmas other than Tim Burton? And the characters are some of the most interesting I've seen. Jack Skellington is so easy to relate to, lovable, and so determined, making him one of my favorite characters of all time. I'm not ashamed to admit I have a necklace of him. <laughs> Smiley face emoji. Uh, Sally is interesting, too, as well as with all the other characters. Really a must-see. Two out of two found that helpful. I, I was drawled in by that review. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, so we finish it off with uh, another oh, yeah. one star. Did you do your second? I you haven't do done my second one? one, so I'll finish. Oh, I'll I wrap it up. Oh wow! Oh no, sorry. No, no, you get no. It's your turn. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We're efficient here. We got we're it. On, we're on the on the money here, folks. I'm, I'm. Um. So I again, I wanted to go back a little bit. Um. See, it's funny because the original release of this movie, I think, predates IMDb. So we got some old reviews here. So it's either a 2016 review or a 2020 review. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm just going to go with the most prolific reviewer and say 1 out of 10. I'll do a fast one. 1 out of 10, the worst movie I have seen in ages by Pawan Punjabi, the writer. The... Oh, the writer. This movie is ridiculous. From the first minute, you'd start getting bored and won't get anything what's going on. What are the characters made of, by the way? Such a cheap work it is. Dull, black and white, and complete nonsense. Characterless. Ultra boring. Brainless. Terrible, terrible movie. That should be the name. <laughs> Tell me your worst movie. I bet I can watch that twice. But never seen this one ever again in my life. Shift deleted right away. Thank God it's no more in my watch list. 29 out of 73 found that helpful. That's pretty good. Was that a sonnet? Oh, did he write? Was that a Shakespearean sonnet? Did he fucking sonnet? put it in stanzas? Well, like, well, no, no, but it, it kind of was like, uh, like paced that way with all the par- with the uh, periods. Mm. This is one of the rare, rare guys that uses periods. He dropped a slam poem and on I, him. I feel like if you were to separate those by paragraphs, you could have just been like, you know, dull, black and white, and complete nonsense, characterless, ultra boring, brainless. Did you see the terrible, movie? terrible movie? That should be the name. What like, are they made out of anyway? Cl- what are they made out of anyway? Oh, that's when that's when the whole crowd will go. Oh, oh, oh. snaps! Oh shit, dude! Boom, roasted. <laughs> Coffee toasted. All right, let's get this. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of Halloween Town with our PJ Taylor dash ninety six dash one three eight oh four four. You know, a real a real humdinger here. Six out of ten. Twas the night before Christmas, and one thing was certain. Everyone thought this was directed by Burton. The Nightmare Before Christmas, 1993, is perhaps the only example of both a Halloween and a Christmas movie all in one, as well as being one of the only true examples of the former. 
Uh, it's a splendidly strange stop-motion musical that blends the horrific with the holiday cheer, the spooky with the snow angels, and the macabre with the mistletoe in a, a, a decidedly delightful, certifiably classic, brilliantly Burton-esque way, though it's not directed by the big man himself, instead unmistakably being a Selleck-themed affair. It isn't incredibly compelling, nor especially memorable, when it comes to its music. It also suffers from some strange pacing issues and doesn't quite feel cohesive as a whole. Still, it's almost instantly iconic, thanks to its weird, genre-confident visuals, which are brought to life wonderfully, one frame at a time. Six out of ten. One out of two. Found that helpful. That's it, baby. Thank you, PJ Taylor. Thank you. Walking us out of there. Plus. Papa Plus. All right. That was Nightmare Before Christmas. Coming in at number six, down from four, Saw X. Swax. Get ready for the porn parody, Saw Triple X. 3.6 million domestic with a global total of 81 million. Most likely got that money back. Get that bag. The creator coming to number seven, down from five. We got 37.8 million domestic with 91.9 million mm-hmm. worldwide. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, we saw last week that it hit its mark to make the money back. Good job on the creator. Uh, coming <laughs> number seven down, or coming up from eight, from, from seven, a haunting in Venice of 1.1 million. Global total of 116 million worldwide. That's fantastic, probably for them. Yep. Uh, coming at nine, down from six, the blind. <laughs> Uh, fifteen point nine domestic, same yep. worldwide. And then finally, in uh, oh sorry, uh, the 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 blind only made a million uh oh, this okay. this week. Um, it wasn't a big blind. global. It the blind is a, a only domestic film, so okay. the domestic total was fifteen million, uh, one point um, oh yeah. million this week. And the nun two to round it off with under a million eight hundred eighty thousand. Um, with a total international gross of 178 million, so yeah, that's made um, wow, huge money despite not even making it to Halloween. I mean, yeah, great job for coming in at number uh, seventh week uh, running. That is kind of big. That's that's a big leagues. Um, any shout outs down here? We got uh, the other Zoe, number mm-hmm. 29, opening week at 70,000. Nice. Um, Malibu Horror Story, or oh, what a cool, what a fun name! The Persian version. The Persian version. That's like that's like that the uh, Thirty Rock movie, The Roger, the Rural <laughs> Juror. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. So these uh, Malibu. Oh, uh, looks like Dicks the Musical. Yes. So is that a slow release? Okay, yes. eight twenty four probably. It's a little especially slow because it hasn't even popped top ten yet. Because um, it's been out for three weeks technically, eight twenty four. It's in thirteenth up from up to from twenty four, uh, four hundred thousand. I don't predict it getting any higher than seven, even if it rolls out for a full release. It can't get much higher. Uh oh. Unique, uh, unique little thing I saw here. Number seventeen, Anatomy of a Fall. Um, mm-hmm. Per theater take was uh, ten thousand dollars. <laughs> Only in fourteen theaters. One of these little interesting little tidbits. Yeah, cool. I don't know. Cool. All right, 
Dope. That Sit. was uh, the box office. Screw movies. Fucking video games. Video game news. Yeah. Now we're going to gaming, where the where the men get separated from the boys. The boys from the guys, and the guys from and the, the girls. Dudes. And then we put the girls in in the uh, by the, the girls by the, the boys, boys, but we put a divider, and the, the women they go above the girls in in a balcony kind of thing, and then we put the the boys uh, go back out for the games for recess, while the men go hunting. Perfect. Gaming. Gaming. <laughs> big, big EA games. Big buck hunter. It's in the, it's in the gun. Put a quarter in. Shoot a virtual deer. Uh, um yeah shit i am unprepared for gaming news um but i'm going to like i'm looking through them and there's nothing nothing crazy this week um all i'm seeing is like Fortnite boring news like the big story i guess um okay here Let's do this. This one's a, a little story, but, you know, it's a little weak this week. Um, Alan Wake 2 has a new game plus with an alternative narrative and a new nightmare difficulty. That's right. You get a you get an Ooh. iPhone flashlight instead of your regular flashlight. Um, <laughs> October 27th, uh, there's, a, there's a little delay. Um, but yeah. now you have a new game plus mode, so you get you keep your weapons and upgrades. Uh, you can now play on the nightmare difficulty level, and have some new lore, some new manuscript, some new video content. So a bunch of new little add-ons. Mm-hmm. Lovely to see. Um, I'll kind of I'll I'll parlay this into another because that was a very small story. I will also oh, say okay. that. Um, uh, Risk of Rain Returns is coming out soon. Uh, let me find the release date. Risk of Rain Returns release. Um, November 8th, that's right. So, in about a week, we will get the remake uh, of Risk of Rain. The Returns remake of Risk of Rain. Uh, for uh, consoles, I think, and now they're on, they're under Gearbox... This also coincides with the Survivors of the Void DLC coming to consoles after mm, a couple years. They've been waiting on that one for a while. So now they can know the joy of getting of sniping dudes from across the map and then getting killed by a giant purple crab. It's very <laughs> important. Um, I've got a minor one. Uh fuck it was at the top of my head oh my god i blanked out oh on no oh no my worst nightmare um well i mean kind of video game news uh the fnaf movie is uh hitting theaters and yeah. people are going nutty over it because matt pat's in it huzzah okay i matt mean pat's back in it that's after lying and saying he wasn't in it but okay he, he wanted to hooray for the liars i guess I mean, I feel like he was a very important part of that story as it came as it came up, like the the me, the narrative of the the culture in the in mm-hmm. surrounding the game, the fandom. Um, yeah. Um, the oh, the other thing. Uh, this isn't really like an article related. This is totally. Um, and I wish Kurt was here to like 
give his opinion on it. But uh, I have two friends who are big into Starfield. And they went from nonstop texting in our group chat about just bullshit Starfield stuff to completely dropping the game like a like a like a rock, like a box of rocks. Yeah. And uh, they just they don't they like totally accept the fact that it's like not as good of a game as it like they thought it was. It got very boring very fast, I think, for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very interesting um, to see that happen to them. I would like to see if Kurt has the same opinions about it, if he still plays it as much, yeah. if he like got through the story and is having fun with exploring and just building stuff. Um, so that's kind of unique, and I wonder if... Uh, I- I'd like to see... I just feel like we're a couple weeks away from getting an article about like seeing the... The downfall the of Starfield. Base. Like the player base just plummet. Um, mm-hmm. From for Starfield until wait, just waiting until mod tools start coming out. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the the next big thing. And I think I see every now and then uh, here the Starfield's inevitable community patch has arrived on the scene, and I'm sure people are starting to mod it here and there. So uh, that's pretty cool uh, to have have to put the advancement of your game in the hands of fans. Um, Classic Bethesda move. Oh, I should talk about magic stuff oh yeah yeah um so magic Magic. they're doing that thing again where they announce three different fucking products simultaneously yeah um so doctor who is not even out yet um um it actually oh did it drop it actually might be either in pre-release i saw people opening packs of okay it. so it is it, it's either in pre-release or it's out very 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 soon it is but, fucking yeah. all right in that case it's barely out and um at this point i mean at this point i really don't care but um they've magic is releasing they've already started massive previews for the fallout uh universes beyond set um i mean there's a lot of good stuff there a lot of interesting um uh content a lot of good card designs each one i believe each deck in the four commander set is going to represent a different game so one is the caesar's legion deck from new vegas um one is the science deck from uh, fallout 3 so it's all the scientists and like the brotherhood of steel mm-hmm. probably and it's, uh um and you get you probably get to play um Liberty, what the uh, Prime Liberty Prime? Who's the big fucking? Yeah, Liberty Prime. Yeah. Who who's the um the the scientist was like something Lee? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And then so she's got a card in there. Um, and then you have the companions and hero scavenger, which I think is from it's dog meats deck. Um, dog meats deck. Yep. And that's probably Fallout one and two, probably together. And then you have, like, the monsters and stuff, which I think is New Vegas, I want to say. Or... With, with, uh, with the Mr. House, or was it... Uh, no, Mr. House the... is part of the, the New Vegas deck. Oh, who was the... The Mothman. Mothman. Yeah. So, well, that was 76. Yeah. Fallout 76 was the um, was Mothman. And um, if they have the, the other villains, they might do, like, Super Mutants and... Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the science deck is probably going to be Some also monsters. like Fallout Four. It looks. I feel like they're going to group them in like one or two games a piece. Um, yeah. But they introduced the junk token, which uh, just seems gross and broken right on the surface. 
uh, Magic's current design is really all about impulse draw, uh, at least in red, if not in everything else, which I guess now is maybe true. Because uh, the junk is a free tap and sack to impulse draw. I think. Wow. I, it, you might have to discard too. But anyways, I, I'm, so fallouts. I'm scrolling down the Twitter and it stopped loading after a while because there's so many fucking posts. Yeah, mythic spoiler might so, happen. Um, Wally's yeah. looking that up. So in addition to dropping that, they dropped the um, uh, Caverns of Ixalan set uh, spoilers. Which looks yeah. pretty packed with power. Um, it does, and you know, I fucking I am a sucker for so much of this because it is so much of it looks really nice and fun, yep. and of course they sprinkle in a little bit of the power creep to keep the commander players really happy. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, give me more. Comes with the lovely confusing pair of the ability word descent. Which means just which refers to kind of things in the graveyard, versus the descend, like uh, actual like uh, mechanic word, which is specifically means when a permanent enters your graveyard from anywhere, <laughs> and they both exist in the same set, and I get it, but it's still a little um, muddling, um, but that's fine. Um, I mean, this is pretty much this is a good set. I think this is a, a, a very enjoyable set it'll be good i i i'm hat i should not complain whenever we get an original magic universe like a magic set in that's not a tie-in at this point because it has been i think it's been like three it's only been three years since the first universe is beyond and i remember when it was starting to come out that there was like oh we're gonna do this only on occasion it's gonna be kind of a special thing no no, they just went whole hog with it. Um, case in point, they're going to be releasing the Jurassic Park uni- Universes Beyond tie-in set like they did with Transformers in Brothers yeah. War. So you can get your um, Jurassic Park cards in your um, in with Ixalan, I believe. Yeah, and I'm... I'm sure there's going to be like a secret layer drop as well, or if you just want the Jurassic Park cards, yeah, there'll be special art for them as well. Um, there seems to be a handful of the Jurassic Park cards, which is nice. Um, there's also these special guest cards that are coming out as well. I'm trying to see if they have. Yeah, they, okay, they have it here. So, oh, I think that's Planner Bridge. I'm trying to. It's a different language. But uh, yeah, Mythic Spoilers has them all listed out where you can get as a special guest card, which in the new packs, I guess. Oh they're yeah, making, they're, refil- they're refurbishing their packs because they also because they realize that there are doing... too many types of packs. Yeah. So, bringing... so there's because so the way that the packs are laid out is we have the um, collector's edition. There's the draft boxes, and then there's the um, uh, uh, what do they call them? Um, Oh, Jesus. Uh, set boosters. Then yeah. you have the set boosters. The set boosters, they're not draftable. They have like uh, unique cards in them, but they're like good value. You get a lot more mythics, get a lot more rares. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you also have technically the jump starts and you have the commander set. So there's a lot of product that comes out with it. And people are kind of feeling the fatigue finally, which, you know, surprise, surprise. Right. Um, and then that led to draft boosters sales kind of plummeting. 
so they combine set and draft boosters into one. Um, so now it's like collector boosters more... and play boosters. Yeah, so now we're gonna, the main booster packs are going to be collectors and play. I'm hoping the play price still like well. That was one of the complaints is that they, the they the prices uh, look like they went up. Oh, how they yeah. yeah. And then that's dumb because that's like now your thirty dollar draft at your local game store is gonna be forty dollars, and you know the maybe you might not get like a free pack of play. You might get a free pack of uh, an auxiliary set or a pass set, a standard set mm-hmm. that they just have in bulk. Um, and that's going to suck. That's going to really, uh, really suck. So the, the wonderful world of paper magic is still on the rocks, you know, and if this is going to continue to become a thing where they're putting in these special guest cards, which have like a 2% draw rate, um, and you have cards like mana crypt, which is a hundred dollar bill, hundred, two hundred dollar bill. Uh, and it's got these special Mm -hmm. art cards that are going to be a thousand plus dollars and, yeah, we haven't even seen all of them, but Calamax the Stormsire, Thrasios Triton Hero, all very playable cards. Lord of Atlantis, you know, a yep. uh, very famous older card that's you know, never got a reprint. Merfolks are still, yeah, still oh, side note, Merfolks are poised to be really good again. There's deep deep yeah. water migration, which is whenever a Merfolk becomes tapped, make a Merfolk token with hexproof. Like mm. whenever Merfolk you control. Or maybe it's untapped. Either way, um, it's not like Merfolk have any untap or tap effects in there. No, sir. And aren't an yeah. aggro archetype about turning sideways. I mean, this set looks kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I did like Ixalan when it came out. Um, the The story of Ixalan is always very unique. Uh, the, the setting of Ixalan is very unique. You get vampires, you get Merfolk, you get dinosaurs. Um... That's very fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to this set. Maybe I might pick up um, MTG Arena again to play some standard. Um, but there's a lot. This product fatigue, man. It's like I want to be excited for this, but I also want to be excited for the Fallout stuff. Um, but you know, I can't necessarily buy both. And yeah, you know, and, and in the end, it kind of comes down to buy singles. And now I don't get to see how the Doctor Who sets. Like I feel like we don't we haven't even seen what the release and the the how yeah. that set's panning out, which is you didn't even know when it released. I looked it up. It released like two weeks ago. It released October thirteenth. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. I I feel like I haven't. Well, I guess I should have known because I've seen like posts about people getting some of their doctors signed. But man, that that set really just sort of happened. It showed up and I didn't see any hype about it. People weren't like, yeah. "Hey, look, I got my doctor deck. I hear we we're playing doctor cards." That set just sort of... I wonder how it sold. I mean, maybe it didn't sell that well, to be honest. Maybe. Great to say it, but... I don't know. It'll coincide with the Doctor's 60th anniversary uh, event show. Yeah. This this Christmas time, I think, coming up soon. Um, but this is this is all the gaming news that news can game. Pretty much. I'm gamed out. It's time. Just kill it all. Destroy it all. Send in a giant lizard. Um, Shin God- Send in the dancing lobsters. Yeah, that is. It, what is Shin Godzilla if not a giant jan- dancing lobster? <laughs> um. So Shin Godzilla, what a movie. Um, saw it last night, first time. 
but I remember the trailers of this shit coming out, and boy was it goofy because the beginning of this was like kind of kind of silly with how Godzilla is like a little little primordial lizard boy just scooting around, um, mm-hmm. and he like kind of evolves throughout the movie, and as he evolves, he terrorizes Japan even more. Yeah. Um, if I had gone into this blind, I would have been so shocked at how much focus there was on like bureaucracy and stuff yes and like the criticisms of the government i it it's um, an interesting take on not showing the monster uh like saving the monster for uh the end which like it's a trope in uh, it's a, a rule of thumb in horror movies you don't pay off your monster till later um but this mm-hmm. is certainly like one of the more unique ways to do it you know yeah where um, you have the, cause the beginning of the movie, I, let's just go into, it, you know, um, there's not sure. much to spoil particularly, I guess there is some stuff to spoil, but, um, the, uh, the monster, it starts out like a normal Godzilla movie. Like, well, actually it starts out with them finding the boat. Um, and I, I felt smart cause I knew my Japanese culture, um, because they saw, I, they, they were in, they were searching around the room and they found the pair of shoes. Um, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Whoever on it committed suicide." But I didn't know it was—I didn't know it was going to be plot important until later. I thought it was just like a cold open to a movie. Um, but uh, they start there, and then it just starts with Godzilla attacking. Um, and from there, it cuts to yeah, the first—we uh, don't even see him again. We don't see him for like twenty minutes. Wait, so he uh, the was it Doctor Miko or some of that? He, it's heavily implied he, he committed suicide. Um, so in, in anime, just by like drowning in the water or something like that. Yeah. Or he fed himself to Godzilla. Um, that's maybe that's what it was. Or that's at least my interpretation because they never say it, but, um, as I understand it, that's a, that's a very Japanese media thing. Like that's the symbol of someone committing suicide is they leave their shoes there and they're not in the house, you know? Um, but anyways, we get to kind of the main um, narrative thrust of the movie, or the the, the catch, or the, the hook, rather, which is mm-hmm. um, the Japanese government just being uh, an absolute ponderous monster of its own um, that takes as long to get moving, only, only slightly slower to get moving than Godzilla itself. Um, and it's a nightmare of red tape. We have our our hero. Um, let me find his name because the the names of this I don't think are super important. It's more about yeah. the positions because it's a big ensemble. As as fitting the theme, it's a huge ensemble cast. It is huge. There's a lot of people. They cycle in out of uh, prime prime ministers. There's different heads of departments, and they mm. all have like a little line here and there. Um, uh, but they're never like named. They're never like, oh, hey, John or whatever. What do you got about this? And, right. It's Rando Yaguchi, which I love that. I do love that name. That's a that great is, name. That is so fun. I didn't know his first name was Rando. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a Rando. He could be anybody. I, it's good. Random. Um, one of the running jokes is, so throughout the movie, um, well, I guess we'll talk about that later on, but he just he's there and he's the one that I think the audience is like rooting for because he's the one who has like common sense and like just wants, he's like, he can see through the bullshit. 
which is yeah. readily apparent when the the response is first a confirmation with all the parts the parts of of the the cabinet um, having leaning in with their own biases and their main concern being um, PR coverage and public you know um, and saving face um, and trying to downplay this and they go from meeting to meeting about here's our response all right what's our response to the response you know what's our what are we going to say at the meeting uh let's go to have a private meeting so we can know what to say in the public meeting and it's it's this wonderful sequence of them all in one building moving floor to floor back and forth between the prime minister's office and the cabinet office and the press release room and the parliament you know the um yeah the parliament um and just back and forth and and the it, it accents this by like showing putting shit on the screen about what this is like this overflow of information every time someone new is comes on it shows their complete like title and their name and rank and title and like what room they're going into and none of it really matters like it matters a little bit but it's all just names mm-hmm. and that plays into one of the jokes is that um throughout the movie rando he gets more and more important to the story as as the situation gets more dire and so his title gets longer and longer you know mm-hmm. he gets more um more accolades on him until like in the middle of the movie they put his his name and title his new name and title up on screen and it covers like half the screen and you can't see his face behind it um oh that's what it was okay yeah and there's a lot of those scenes where they'll just put up like just a massive wall of text to be like this is there's just so much like reading here it's just an overflow of like you how are you supposed to be able to parse this let alone work with it um and there's a lot of it's a lot of black comedy at least for for an outsider like me i'm sure it hits a little harder uh if you're from japan but sure um one of my favorite one of my favorite jokes early on is they call in the experts after the the first stage Godzilla starts like he floods the tunnel or whatever um, in mm-hmm. the Tokyo in the bay, not Tokyo Bay, but um, whatever other body of water off the coast um, he calls in the experts and they're all like, that's mm, nothing. It's probably nothing. And they're like and then Randall's like, it's cle- very clearly a giant lizard. Like, it, did you look on the screen? It's like, oh, that could be Photoshop. Yeah, it's like an animal, like some marine life. Yeah, and they're like, even if it was, it couldn't like walk on land. That's just not, it just wouldn't happen. Oh yeah, that immediately says he's on land. Yeah, he, he's and it's in a. It, he's like, I need to be able to say exactly what's going to happen in in this press release. And they're like, yes. Oh, and you, and they were like, hey, please, when you go up there, do not say anything that's not verified. Like we don't want you to say anything that's not verified because if you do, it's like it'll be a you know it's misinformation. And then the first thing that he does is like say something that's not verified. Like, "Hey, we're we know he can't go on land. He'll cr- yeah. he'll die under his own weight of his own body. Like, don't worry. There's no risk of him going on land." And then, and then immediately proven a liar. <laughs> okay, Godzilla has made landfall. He's currently walking through uh, the the Hanagawa Prefecture. I think I want to say. Um, it was great. It was great, and the. The story kind of develops like that, where Rando calls in his like his just friend from college or whatever, who's like 
she's a really good scientist and, and kind of has a good head on her shoulders. And she immediately starts like cutting through the bullshit because she has no, she's not in politics. Yeah. She's like, and I love her character because she's the, she's never looks up from her computer. Um, she's like, yeah, no, that's absolutely bullshit. This is, you could do this. It's no, that's right. They call the expert. They try to identify it. And they're like, this is like nothing I've ever seen. It, it's, has a pattern un, you know unknown to people or whatever and the it's and the prime minister's like what do i do with this and then she's like uh okay so it moves like a serpentine it's got gills but it can breathe on land which means it's probably adapted you know she like actually explains the concept in like 15 seconds yeah. and then he just disregards it and the movie just it goes on like that for a little while like escalating more and more and what happens is rando gets his own team and he says Fuck it, we're we're doing a flat organization structure. Where there's no there's no chain of command. There's no uh, senpai kohai, you know, up and down. We're just we're here, and we need to solve this problem. And it's his like band of misfits um, that become the kind of the heroes of this movie. So, um, and then you cut to Godzilla and Jake. How would you describe? Our, our lovely Godzilla, at least in the start. In the, the start, the first form that he has is just like a, like a, like a, a I think like a toddler learning how to crawl, or not toddler, uh, like a baby learning how to crawl and just scooting with no regard, no regard for anything around them or their own safety. They're just scooting, scooting away. Wait. Yeah, he kind of keeps those eyes throughout the the whole of the movie. The 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 no eyelids. There's the the psychotic eyes, like the just a white circle and a black dot. And it's it's a uh, definitely on the creepy side. Um, and then he he just he scoots into the center of town, and they're trying to, um. They're trying to figure out how to react to him, and the the longer they take trying to react to this in like messaging, the more this uh like primordial Godzilla, the, the first version of him, uh just creates more destruction and uh throughout the town. Mm-hmm. And and then um eventually just snakes his way into the water. Yep. And they're like, Oh, he's gone. Um and it, it's such a perfect look because nobody did anything there was no action taken on the ground to physically help people mm-hmm. there was just panic and he they said he was on land for two like two hours yeah so in those two hours they didn't mobilize anything they didn't they didn't send any help no military response they were just debating on what to do uh which was i think perfect uh, a perfect way to like kind of explain the situation or explain like how mm. kind of fucked um Every, japan can be in yeah. their in their disaster response and i don't um, did you mention the iconic scene uh where they have like where they're going to attack and they they authorize the military action well that was kind of uh at when he like gets up right mm-hmm. when he when he finally stands up on his like when is that his second time um no or no it that was, was his first right. time i think 
So yeah, then he like finally stands up and is just like looking around like a little baby, kind of trying to figure mm. out what's what's new life like. Um, Super. Fucking and they vulnerable. they try to attack him and they don't attack. And they're just he's just like he's just like all right, bet I'm a dip yeah, out. Yeah, because there's one. Ch- I I don't know. I cut out for a little bit, so um, yeah. I don't know if you mentioned it because there's one child in the way. And like yeah, yeah, I guess in principle that's probably for the best. Um, but considering how many people's lives get lost in the uh, following, you know, it's like a bit of a, it's a rough one in hindsight, but the whole, that also ties into a big thing, which is like Japan doesn't technically have a military. They have a defense force uh, because when we stomped the fuck out of them, we were like, you don't get an army ever now. And you have to depend on us for big military action. And that obviously created a lot of resentment in Japan for like, and it's reflected in this movie. It's like the Americans coming in and like swooping in under their noses to steal their research and um, be like, oh, I guess I have to save the day and like doing a it, doing a dookie on national uh, national patriotism and honor and be like, hey, I do we have to really fucking call on the Americans to deal with this? Because now it's gonna now it's gonna be their problem and they're gonna be all in our affairs all the time. Yeah. Um, but we have this, after that, we have this, the intermission, which is the second act um, where they have, they now have to prepare and figure out what to do about this guy. Uh, they have some time before he resurfaces. And that's when you get a lot of the interpersonal drama. Um, and you get what limited Godzilla movies always have like a limited character uh, development. Um, compared to the monster, because you have to fit in the entire uh, monster plot. Um, So there's not usually a lot of character development. Uh, But what you do get, you get here. Um, You get to hear about, you know, him as a rando a little bit more as a person. Not like his personal life, but um, his personality, how how he operates, how he he works with um, his group, as opposed to um the government and you get the you get what i'm what almost is a love interest with the daughter of the american senator oh yeah her her coming over and like they they mentioned a couple times like she not like normally doesn't really have a, a connection to japan other than her grandma um you know was was there during the hiroshima attack so she mm-hmm. Like has this love of Japan, wants to like help him out, but she also has her own ambitions to become like the president of the U.S. Right. Um, and to climb the ranks because of her, um, because of nepotism mm-hmm. and the fact that her father is a senator. Um, and it kind of, I kind of got the fact that he might have been a like a white senator and maybe with like an Asian wife. Mm-hmm. It's it, and that's kind of how he. It's so she's kind of mixed. She kind of has like both. Mm-hmm. Both ties of both and countries, and but she definitely wants to be more American than, than uh, Japanese, right. and that's reflect like um, you can tell like she's the American character because she acts so much differently. Like she does act very differently. It's very clear uses, how she. Yep, a lot of mixed English. Yeah. Which um, side note is a little nitpick as a as an American. I'm sure this is every foreigner who watches an un American movie where they speak a foreign language. I was like, oh, that American does not that does not sound. The, those inflections do not sound right <laughs> in English. 
Um, but again, minor nitpick. No did one. None. Did you watch this dubbed or did you watch this? Sub? I watched. So I bought the. I bought what I thought was the the one version, but it was only the yeah. dubbed version. And uh, you had to buy the original Japanese version to get the subs. Oh. So I ended up buying oh, okay. it twice or renting it twice rather. Oh. So still less than buying okay, it I, once. I just watched it. Yeah, I just watched it dubbed, so I didn't pick up any like okay. mixed um, mixed Japanese or like, anything like that. It was yeah, all, so uh, all she basically talks in half Japanese, half English. Um, there are some English words thrown in occasionally, but like, yeah, her character like talks half in like two le- basically dual language, and they it's kind of a it's kind of a little like joke or a little banter because they'll he she and Rando will banter in English. Um, and it's kind of a joke. It's like a lot of, uh, it's a little meme I think in Japan. I I don't know, but I feel like I've heard that like the adaption of so many loan words and American isms have led to a lot of people like kind of even unintentionally becoming bilingual, just in how much yeah. loan uh, English gets leaked in. But you so you probably didn't even notice it at all because they probably redid all the American voices as well. But like some of the senators mm. when they're talking. They talk like this, and their inflections are a little different. So you can tell that it's Japanese actors who are who have American training, and and have to recite lines in a little different way. Interesting. Hmm. Um. So that's just yeah. a quirk of the movie. Um. However, so there's the whole what a it's like a slow montage where it's like. Where they, where we, someone might put a montage in, it's like a full, it's just a drawn out second act until Godzilla makes landfall again. Um, and now yeah. you have the two, you have the, um, the Yaguchi plan, uh, which is using a, this blood coagulant to try and beat him with science, which is usually how, in Godzilla movies, how you win out the end, right? The story of a lot of Godzilla movies is you can't really beat him, uh, especially not with brute force. Science does a little better. Um, Mm -hmm. but there's no conquering him. Um, and they learn about the, so you learn about the doctor who his wife died from, uh, radioactive waste. So he has a grudge against, um, (coughs) um, the, uh, the nuclear energy of the world. And he noticed that there was this little prehistoric little animal feasting on the the waste. And he's like, I'm not gonna, let's see, I'll, I can tell you how it works, but you guys want to just take him for research and stuff. So I'm gonna defect, or I I'm not I'm like I'm. So he did something. I forget what the specifics of it was, but he got like expelled from Japan. And he worked for the D the DOE, but then he learned about this creature more and how it worked. And he's like, if the Americans get their hands on us, they're gonna learn how to this incredibly powerful nuclear synthesis stuff, and it's no one's going to use it for good. Um, It's just going to end up bad. So I'm going to run and I'm going to leak this information and it's your choice. You, you figure it out and kind of left it as a test for the world of like, are you going to try and deal with this in a smart way? Are you just going to shoot at it? And the government decides they want to shoot at it. And we get that, that great attack scene where Mm -hmm. the entire JSDF, like unloads their entire munitions, um, clear shots every time hit everything, and it just yeah. does da- ju- does jack shit. Yeah, 
Absolutely nothing. And then we slows them down a little yep. bit. <laughs> and they say, "Okay, well that's fucked. Um, the Americans are going to come and bomb all of Tokyo." <laughs> yeah, and everyone's yeah, like, they, uh, "Oh, oh no, we can't have, we cannot have in our history books the Americans came and had to bomb our capital." <laughs> They had a bomber capital to save us. Like that's just it. That's, it had such a a heavy sense of irony and like dark comedy of like in order to save Japan, we need to nuke Japan again. Yeah, with like a massive nuke that's gonna mm. probably have so much uh, collateral damage. It's not because they be start with regular. I think they start with regular bombs. Like U.S. stealth bombers start with regular bombs. As yeah, the stealth bombers come in. And they. They they've dropped some some big bombs. The PM is evacuating uh, but, at the same time because he says, "All right, we can't yeah. we can't override the Americans. Uh, we just have to live with this." So he's getting out of there, and, and then yeah, and then and for whatever reason, um, I guess um, <laughs> I guess Godzilla was also um, built by Northrop Grumman and Lockheed Martin because it has phase array radar yeah. built into its fins that are also radiators. Mm. Uh, for its nuclear radiation so really cool uh engineering design around (laughs) the the mutant lizard monster um and and uh he's just able to snipe all the missiles out of the air and the stealth bombers out of the air um by just scattershotting his his uh laser beams through his fins and we also get the probably one of the best one of one of the top nuclear breath scenes in all of godzilla I think that was definitely, I would say, the it's top like, thing. That was so fucking cool. Right? Even though his design is a little goofy, his uh, the 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 CGI is a little um, off putting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, pot damn, this scene was dope. When he's like, it's at night in Tokyo, and he just lights up all purple like it's super aesthetic, and just just zaps everything mm. and in the sheer obliteration of like Tokyo was was nuts yeah. uh and, and the way it turns when he like he runs out of some of the power and he just turn it turns into fire and then just engulfs Tokyo in flames mm. is does it so question for you Jake does it remind you of any other Japanese media that specific scene have... oh evangelion yeah. Look up who yeah. directed Shin Godzilla. Oh, is yep. it? Is it? Uh, I have. I only I'm, learned about that after the fucking... fact, uh, but that makes a it makes a lot of sense in hindsight. Wow, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Holy shit! Um, so, uh, yes, the, the I, looking at that scene, I'm like, this is definitely yeah. like an very much like the angel fights from um, Evangelion, and apparently they like they lift they uh, basically adapted the Evangelion soundtrack to use in this. There are a lot of songs that are like almost the same. I did not pay too much attention to the soundtrack. I'll be honest. You know what we have to watch now? <laughs> oh no. Shin, Shin Ultraman. Oh yeah, the other ones. I will jump in and have knowing nothing about Ultraman, um, but we're going to do it anyways. Um, Let's see if there's another Evangelion related scene. from. Uh, oh, there's also, oh Jesus, there's a Shin Kamen Rider? Yeah. Um, I have to watch. Interesting. I have to watch Kamen Rider to do this. But um, uh, so these these other series that I know nothing about, we'll we will jump in without any context. You know, just keep an eye out for that. 
Um, but that yeah. is the most visually stunning scene in the movie. And in that scene, uh, Prime Minister destroyed, lasered, gone. Yeah, the PM gets killed. Uh, a bunch of other like heads of states get killed, and then they the to, government is destroyed. And, yeah, they have to recover. Yep. And it's like the one of the other jokes is like the only survivor was like the ag minister who just wasn't there that day. Um, yeah, and he was he he got he got promoted to PM because he's uh, the mo- most senior member, right? Uh, and he's just like I never thought I would get to this position in mm-hmm. this way. Like it's like if a and I'm like yeah, true. It must be quite a shock to be like. Yeah, a giant lizard attacked my town to kill the PM, and then I was a default have, choice. Of I have to save PM. Japan and possibly the world. Um, uh, I have to make these incredibly tough but, calls. Because throughout this movie, they constantly go through the decision-making of like uh, different things they have to decide on and the hard choices you have to make, whether or not you try to capture it, whether or not you try to run and chase it off, or... Uh, attack it and putting people's civilians' lives in hand. Who do you fund first? Who do you focus on first? What teams you put and together? The PM first? is like, and these are all tough yeah, choices. And he, he's bombarded with these choices, and he's kind of like frozen with like, wait, you want a decision now? Yeah, like, shit. It's like, yeah. yeah, dude, this is an emergency. It's like you need to figure out these things, and, and they kind of just kick the ball mm-hmm. down the road so so often. Like, okay, well, to decide that, we'll make a meeting. Yeah, like later today, we'll we'll, we'll meet on this to decide. And instead of just making that executive decision hmm. and possibly saving hours of um, uh, of time, yeah, um, in in a movie where it really does come down to like days, mm-hmm. because towards the end of the movie, um, America says we're going to nuke you. Uh, that's the only option we have left, and here's your countdown. Because um, after this big battle of like the stealth bombers, uh, Godzilla gets frozen. Um, he has to recover. He's a recharge. Yeah. So. They find out like a timeline of when he's supposed to be powered back up, and they figure, okay, we're gonna give it to like the last few days and then bomb mm-hmm. him, and uh, and then they they go ahead with uh, Yaguchi's plan, which is, I um, really like, like it's so, which is is really like it's really cool. They they, they his they figure out that his blood, God's, Shin Godzilla's mm-hmm. blood, is like its cooling system, and they can introduce a coagulant that can essentially. F- you know, course through his system and then freeze Godzilla, right. um, because they can just make turn him off mm. basically. But like the really cool thing about it um, is, well, first side note: the government this time is led by the ag minister, who is has another great joke where he's like, "Who knew this job could be so fu- like? I never knew this job could be so fucking hard. My noodles are soggy. Like the ramen that they serve him. <laughs> and it's like, are you or yeah. you are a fucking putz? Um, but anyway, like the Yaguchi plan, like. What I love about it is when they enact it, it's it really symbolizes like an optimism and like an actual pride in Japan because he's like, get every chemical producing company here. We're gonna yeah. we're using all Japan's resources, our the all the construction to crews, the rail crews, our heavy manufacturing yeah. industries to make this stuff, and we're they all com- gonna come together as a people to defeat Godzilla. And it's like they they come together so well and it's like a, it's a perfect montage of, of like just, you had, you had a great montage of bureaucratic inefficiency and a great montage of bureaucratic efficiency. Yeah, or like when it came to like disaster grassroots like movement. Like, yeah. Cause that really is the symbol. It's like the prevailing theme is like the people have the, we have the power to do it. Just Japan's 
the nation the the head of state has to get out of its own ass and let get out of its own way and the the people of Japan will be able to solve this problem um and it's a really triumphant moment and i really like it. it's a great way to uh ramp up the stakes to that final confrontation mhm and and it works they they freeze godzilla just as and as we yeah. learn at the end just as he's about to release human-sized godzillas who would be able to like overrun humans and take over the world yeah so i had to look that up that was one thing i was um uh i was interested in was the final shot of the movie shows the shin godzilla's tail and it is what a great little prop what an awesome prop they had so much fun probably making this Mm -hmm. and it's full of these humanoid little mini godzillas that have like the little spines and they have like these tails it's very creepy and grotesque um and a lot of the theories were because i don't think that it's it's explicitly said like his next evolution, because the entire time he's evolving. Yeah. Um, his next evolution would have been something along the lines of um, creating these little humanoids, um, Shin Godzilla humanoids, to take down humans on a personal mm. level and more efficiently spread around and, yeah. and destroy. And things. another thing, um, another tidbit. So, how many forms does Godzilla have? Four. And Shin Godzilla, right? And Shin is that's the one piece of Japanese like language i know is that shin is the synonym of like death and also the number four yeah right. so it's four you know it was his fourth fourth form uh so it was most deadly you mm. know so it's just a little bit of wordplay in there too it's all it's all those all those little things coming together it's good it's yeah. subtle enough for for us which means it's probably incredibly like think about foreign movies like there's there's not a lot of room for nuance if you're sending your film abroad because so much of it is like very particular. So yeah, for us to be like this is a nuanced and like intricate story, it's probably very clear and straightforward to the the domestic audience, which is fine. It's a it's a good movie. It, it really sells its point well. Um, good shots. Mm-hmm. I like the. I do like the. Uh, that really captures the scale of Godzilla. Um, every you know that's that's one you gotta judge any kaiju movie on. Is like how does it mm. how does it treat the monster? Um, There's a lot of uplooking shots um, to impose the scale, and then once once it got big enough, you could just stick him next to a skyscraper and be like, yeah, he's yeah. pretty big. That was, I love that where their final plan was. We're going to ab- we're going to literally drop Tokyo on this motherfucker. Drop buildings on them, yeah. Which is which is poetic because like it's like you almost think of it as like a Godzilla is dropping himself on Tokyo, yeah. but now Tokyo is getting dropped we, on. We you didn't land on Tokyo. <laughs> Tokyo landed on us. <laughs> so that's how they're taking him down, and they're just trying to pin him down so they can start feeding him the coagulant. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are afraid it, it almost didn't work, and then it. Yeah, right. finally and work. they know it like, oh yeah, only Jap- Japan's diplomatic um, prowess and them like being their own diplomatic power instead of kind of relying on America uh, was yeah. the way to go forward. And um, Rando becomes yeah. the he's like you you could become prime minister like he's poised to become prime minister as like you know kind of as a reward, but really as 
the proof of showing that like his way works and he has the his ideals sure. are what can uh save save the country and bring it forward and it's like very it's a very hopeful ending which i love yeah. I, I do like me a happy ending especially um if it's earned uh in which case this very much was um i did make a goof which i thought i spoiled myself i wrong spoiled you ever wrong spoil yourself on a movie um no, i don't think so where i was like oh he's i remember hearing he had like seven forms and i was like oh he's gonna do more there's gonna be more so when he finally froze i'm like i i guess i was with i was at the same energy level as the rest of the the characters in the scene where they're like is it done wait he's actually he's actually stopped what you know because they don't cheer it's not like fucking independence day where the yeah they're they just don't, like which is waiting I, with bated breath like in disbelief that they actually uh, beat him. So I actually took that as like um, they didn't cheer because you know it's how can you cheer when you still have so much death and destruction around you? Yeah, that's true. And you you're faced with having to now recover from this whole horrific situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty tough. Yep. That's pretty fucking metal. Um, I like that. And it's a uh, so, I know we we went through the whole movie here, um, which was a, it's an old way of it's, it's the old Saturn, Saturn Studs movie review way, um, but some extra time. We really, uh, I mean, I really enjoyed it. If you can't tell, I really like this movie, um, and I think you would too. Even even hearing this, don't let this dissuade you. Like, go still go watch the movie. I don't think a synopsis is gonna dampen the experience any. Yeah, no, because it's a it's a visual, it's a very mm-hmm. visual, um, uh, astounding even, movie. Even as well. the boardroom scenes are still really impactful from a visual standpoint. Yeah, they did a very good job. So, in conclusion, yes, uh, absolutely, I would recommend this movie. Um, go see it. It's great any time of year. It's it's good. It's definitely good as a Halloween movie, as a spooky monster movie. Yeah, it is spooky. Um, yeah. But that's it. So um, that's that wraps it up for episode three hundred and ninety of the cast. Um, next week, I shouldn't. I I'm gonna promise this. It's gonna be really bad if it doesn't. Well, it won't be too bad. It'll just be one of the movies that we thought was coming out and didn't. But um, it looks like Outlaw Johnny Black is gonna be out for next week. So we're hoping mm-hmm. to catch that one and bring that to you. If not, we'll have something else. But I would like to bring. Uh, something new, fresh for you for November. Um, other than that, um, you can catch us anywhere. Podcasts are <laughs> are distributed freely. Um, we there might be plans as we go into winter. I'm gonna say this while Kurt's not around. Just announce shit. Um, <laughs> put him on. Uh, we'll put some obligations on without even uh, thinking about it. I don't know. We, I've been Hell thinking yeah. about playing Baldur's Gate. We, we've been meaning to get a group together to play it for a while. Um, I don't know if we're going to stream that or not, um, but keep an eye out for that. Maybe that would be cool. I would I would love to join you. I just don't know if I can handle another gameplay of, uh, you know, Baldur's yeah. Gate with my, my home life. But I think a two-person Baldur's Gate playthrough is, like, I think the ideal way okay. to play it because you get... Um, you get more of the main character interactions, which is really fun. 
you can you can carry around Lazelle and Shadowheart and and have them interact with you um, instead of like having to backtrack and go back to the camp all the time. And because when you have four characters, you don't get the the interactions. You have to like bring them back with you or, or uh, I yeah. see. There's there's a lot of stuff. I mean, they're they're important to the storyline, and you kind of skip that when you have all all personalized characters. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you guys are gonna have a blast playing yeah, that. I'm sure. I, if we do stream, I mean, even if you're not there playing with us, I I think that would be a good yeah, idea. Watch. Yeah, to join. I would love to watch. Yeah. Um, but other than that, again, that's it for the week. I really got to wrap this up. <laughs> got to stop talking. <laughs> so I will just say, I wish you that you will be well, stay safe, and party like it's Halloween of 1995. Peace. Bye bye.